Get ready. Hello, and welcome to College Talk. I'm your host, Beth Brandon, and I am super excited to talk to you about uh, what surprisingly became one of my favorite topics as a college advisor, um, but something that I was absolutely terrified uh, of as a high schooler and college student myself. Um, It's opening up very, very soon, and you will all have access to it very, very soon. Uh, That's right, this episode is the Fafsorama. So like I said, it's going to open up very soon, October 1st. That's right, October 1st, the FAFSA opens for the 2020-2021 school year, which is the year you'll be starting college, not the year you're graduating high school. Seems a little tricky, but I want you to keep that in mind when you go to decide what FAFSA you're going to fill out, because the 2019-2021 for students who are in college this year is still going to be up there, but you want to ignore that. You're going to go right to the 2020-2021, because you are going to college next year. Okay, let's backtrack for about five seconds. The FAFSA stands for Free Application for Federal Student Aid. So, big caveat right now. If you are going to fill out the FAFSA and it's asking you for money, don't do it. Because the first F in FAFSA stands for free. So do not be paying to get your FAFSA done. You can do it for free. All right, so uh, this episode is going to be an exhilarating and exciting walkthrough of the FAFSA. Um, Probably I've never heard exciting and exhilarating used in the same sentence as FAFSA before, but guess what? I'm going to do my best. Um, So that means that both parents and students are going to want to listen to this. Um, You're both going to benefit. You're both going to get some great information out of this week's podcast. Um, Not going to lie. Also, if you're a teacher, counselor, even a principal, you might uh, pull some things out of this or find a way to use this in your schools or classes. Please feel free. Um, As always, I'm going to have the resource folder linked to that in my description And uh, there's also going to be links taking you to where you need to make an FSA ID and where you will go to actually get to the FAFSA. Um, But we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, So feel free to use this. Feel free to use any of the resources in the Google folder. Um, There is a sheet in there that I'm going to talk a little bit more in depth about later that's going to be super helpful for keeping all this information organized. Uh, teachers, counselors, principals, vice principals, assistant principals, librarians, whoever you are, uh, definitely feel free to download those and print them. I promise they'll help. The only tricky thing is they do say the FAFSA from last year. Um, I have them as a PDF from when I was uh, serving as a college advisor, and I haven't been able to change the year. Uh, As far as I know, all the information you'll need will stay the same. Uh, So you could just Maybe print one out, copy it, uh, white out, change the year, and then um, copy it from there. So 
that would be my suggestion, just so people don't get confused. Um, full full disclosure on the, the date still being the one from last year. So step one, you need to make your FSA ID. Um, this is your username and password, just like for Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, um, even your email, right? You have your email and your password. Um, but this is way, way, way more secure. Um, and it's going to kind of, you're going to have to do a lot of, uh, checks. Nope, nope, nope. Charlie, please don't step on that. You're going to have to do, sorry, a lot more checks, uh, to make sure that everything is totally secure and a-okay. So what you're going to want to do is go to F-S-A-I-D, that's F-S-A-I-D dot E-D dot gov slash N-P-A-S slash index, so I-N-D-E-X dot H-T-M. Uh, this link will, of course, be in the description, so please do not uh, replay this 50 times to make sure you get that down right. Just go look in the description of the episode. I'm sorry you can hear my paper crinkling. I have things written down because I want to make sure that I give you 150% uh, as correct information as I can. And I spent quite a bit of time uh, going through uh, this stuff today to make sure I was up to snuff. Um, so you will need your social security number. Uh, a lot of times I think that kind of freaks people out. Why do they need that? Um, it's the government. They already have your social security number. This is basically just a way for them to check that you have this incredibly secure information that proves that you are who you are. Um, and that's why they're using that. They're also going to, it's going to link later on um, for the IRS data retrieval tool. And we're going to talk about why that is so important uh, later on in this podcast. So it's going to ask for your social security number. You're going to need an email. Students, use your personal email, not your school man, school uh, email, okay? Personal, not school. It's going to need an email that you can access. Um, and parents, that goes for you as well as students. I've had both parties um, use an email that they couldn't access. You have to verify that it is your email and that you typed in your email address right um, in order to access and to get your FSA ID to work. So make sure it's an email um, that you use, that's personal, and uh, that you can access. In some cases, you can enter in your cell phone number to um, text. Basically, the the phone, the cell phone number is going to be like if you forget your password and you need to text yourself a code to remake your password. I'm not going to lie. It is so much easier to do the phone text thing than it is to remember all the security questions or do the email. It just is so much faster. Ultimately, you should remember your password, but things happen. So I would recommend using the phone number for that. Um, there are going to be like, I think it's six security questions. I think three of them have populated questions and three of them you have to make your own questions for write down those answers. And even like if you're using an uppercase letter and then lowercase letters, write it down just exactly as you type it in. Because if you do forget your password and you choose to do the security answers, you're going to need to know that in the Google folder. I mentioned it like just a few minutes ago. There's a sheet to help you keep all your info in. There's a space for the student FSA ID and password. There's a space for the parent FSA, FSA ID and password. On the back, you can obviously write your security questions and their answers. Um, there's going to be basically the sections of what you're going to need, like chunks of info for the FAFSA. Not the whole thing, but just the basic demographic stuff that can sometimes be hard to remember. Or parents, if um, your student is going to... 
uh, FAFSA workshop without you, or if your student is going, or if you're going to a FAFSA workshop without your student, it's good to have that information um, in that sheet so you can use that to fill it out. Um, it is going to have like a space for your driver's license number and social security number. So that is just as important as like all that personal information. So you want to keep it nice and safe if you do choose to use it. Um, both the parent and student need an FSA ID. Notice how I said parent and I didn't add an S. So just one parent uh, needs an FSA ID. If uh, your parents are divorced or separated, the parent who supports the student 51% or more of the time is the parent that's going to want to make that FSA ID. Here's my biggest suggestion. It's not October 1st yet. You still got a couple days, but make these now because they take a couple days to get verified and approved. And I'm sure there's a ton of people making them right now. So the faster you make it, the faster you're all set. And then the faster you can get that FAFSA in. And why does that matter? The faster, the faster you know what your financial aid is going to look like. So you can make an educated choice so that you know what your options are. All right. Step two, signing into the FAFSA. So students... Remember, I'm saying students here. Students go to FAFSA, so FAFSA, FAFSA, dot ed, dot gov, and sign in. I'm going to repeat this. The student will sign in. Students, not parents. Students, sign in with your FSA ID. Sign in with the student's FSA ID. Whose FSA ID? Students. That's right. You're going to sign in to the FAFSA with the student's FSA ID. Why? Because the student is going to college, not the parent. If you're a parent and you're going back to college, you're going to use your FSA ID. But for this, for the students going to college, the students in high school, we're going to use that FSA ID to sign into the FAFSA. I'm repeating this a bunch because I've had parents with almost fully filled out FAFSAs for themselves. And they're like, why haven't I had to put any of my students' information in? Well, because you're doing your own FAFSA, which is cool, but uh, doesn't doesn't help you. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's the big thing with signing in. Step three, filling it out. Bear with me. This is the longest section, um, but I'm going to give you a couple tips and tricks um, to kind of help make sure that you're on the right track. So you're going to start with the student section. Um, it's going to start with student demographics. Then it's going to go to school selection and then dependency status. Um, if the form is similar to last year, which I believe it will be, um, the student section has a blue sidebar that says student, um, to the left. And then there's like a blue header on top. Okay. So that's important. So students are blue. Um, after you finish the dependency status and if it has been decided that the student is a dependent student, which it is in most cases, um, it's going to switch to the parent portion. Um, the sidebar that says parent and the header should be a lavender, lilac-y kind of, like light pastel purple. Um, <clears throat> and it is lighter than the blue, so... Uh, I would say the blue is darker, the purpley color is lighter. Um, and so if you have a difficulty kind of seeing blues and purples, um, the student section should be a darker color and the parent section is a lighter color. I don't know if that helps, um, but I hope it does. So once you're in the parent section, after dependency, you're going to do the parent demographics 
And then it's going to take you into the financial information for parents. Um, once you do those two, it should actually switch back to blue or to the darker color. So it should switch back to the student financial information. Um, and after you fill those out, then you both sign. Um, don't worry, I'm going to go through each of those sections in more detail in just a second, but I want to just get through the, the four main steps. So here we are on step four, um, which is post-FAFSA. So in a few days, maybe weeks, depending on how many submissions they get, right? It could be pretty wild. Um, you're going to get a notification that the FAFSA has been processed. So keep an eye out for emails um, from the Department of Ed, but also from individual colleges about if they need more information. Uh, if you do get one of those emails, that is a process called verification. Um, I said keep an eye out for emails. Most colleges and universities will email you letting you know that there's been like a change to your financial aid, or they'll say like you have unsatisfied financial aid, you know, document requirements, whatever. Um, that probably means it. Sometimes you have to go into like if you were given like a login after you've been accepted and like uh, username and password to log into a specific student portal. Um, you might be able to find more details in there. You can always email me if you have questions, podcast, college talk at gmail.com. Um, but most counselors have kind of seen this. Um, and so it's always a good idea if you have questions, do that. It's an even better idea just to call the financial aid office and they can walk you through step by step. That is why they're there. I know that they deal with money, but they're not like creepy bankers. They're super, super friendly people who want to see students get into and out of college with the least amount of debt possible. Um, every financial aid person that I've ever met has always been honest goodness, just a wonderful person. So definitely feel free to give them a call um, if you're feeling a little bit lost. All right, so the process called verification. Um, you should also be able to see on your FAFSA if you've been flagged in your FAFSA status. It might see something like requirements not met or something. Um, but we're going to dive into verification. We're not, excuse me. Oh my gosh. We're not going to dive into verification today. I'm actually going to probably start talking about that in January because um, that's when financial aid award letters might start coming out. And if you're not seeing yours yet, it's always a great idea to double, triple check to see if you've been selected for verification. But verification happens to a lot of people. A couple years ago, I think it was like 40% of everyone who filled the FAFSA got verified. Um, there are certain metrics that might cause you to be selected uh, for verification and you know it's not that you messed up I, I want to point that out more than anything it's not that you did your FAFSA wrong or um, you messed up your taxes especially if you use the IRS DRT which again we'll talk about more in just a second um, but it, it's not that you made a mistake or that you messed up or that you did your FAFSA wrong it, it's more like a double check in security by the government and the schools to make sure um you are who you say you are and, and just to double check that like if if maybe there was a mistake, um, they can double check it and make sure everything's right. Um, so a couple documents that are great to order ahead of time <clears throat> or to have on hand as you're starting to fill out the FAFSA um, is going to be your refund. So it's prior, prior year, year prior, prior year. <clears throat> wow, I'll say that five times fast. Prior, prior year. Prior, prior year. Okay. So prior, prior year, which means it's going to be your taxes from 
2018 um, <clears throat> for this this FAFSA. So it's a good idea to have um, your returns so you have all the information to add on to it. But I always recommend um, requesting from the IRS right after you fill out the FAFSA your uh, tax transcripts from 2018 because if you do not use the IRS data retrieval tool, and that's okay, that happens sometimes, um, you know, if you don't feel comfortable using that, that's okay too, but you might get verified. And if you do, they're going to ask for those tax transcripts. So it's a good idea to have um, at least one of those, if not maybe two sets uh, at home, so you can send those in when you need them. <clears throat> um, also, to use the IRS data retrieval tool, when you have your tax returns, you, you have to enter the address in that you have on your tax returns directly. So it's important to have those tax returns when you're doing the FAFSA to not only make sure you can answer every single question you're asked honestly, but also uh, you can use the IRS data retrieval tool. Like I said, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But before we do that, let's break down all of the sections that I talked about, the student demographics, the school selection, um, dependency status, the financial information for both the parents and the students, and then finally the sign and submit section. Let's jump in with student demographics. Um, most of this should be filled out from your FSA ID. It should automatically populate it, but it's going to be asking about address, birthday, you know, double check that your email is correct, your social security number looks right. Um, you can add in your driver's license, um, different things like that. I highly recommend it. It's going to ask, uh, I believe, all males um, a question about selective service. I would, I always say, just say yes, like yes to it, because it automatically registers you for selective service. You have to do it anyway by law, so it's kind of nice to just let the FAFSA do it for you. Um, but basically, it's just kind of double checking on all the little points about you, um, and so you just kind of fill that out. It's not too hard. It's kind of like the about me section of Facebook. That's kind of what I think about the actual FAFSA form. It's like an about me section. Once you've signed in with your FSA ID, your username and password, now you're kind of creating your profile, if that makes sense. Um, for school selection, it's as easy as it sounds. You're going to pick the schools that you're applying to and indicate your living plans. So um, for me, I went to Western and I was moving from the other side of the state. I was living on campus. Um, for some students, so some friends of mine who went to a local community college, they were going to live at home. For other people, maybe they were going to move out of home. So there's an option for you to live off campus. So there's a live with parents, live on campus, live off campus. So a few options. Um, so you need to indicate your living plans. That does factor into financial aid. Um, the next section is dependency status. So this, question, this section is going to ask questions to determine if you're an independent student or a dependent student. Uh, students are granted independency for very specific reasons. So play, pay close attention and make sure you answer all those questions honestly. Um, sidebar, if you are an independent student, you may be asked for documentation later on. Uh, you know what? Actually, it's kind of gross. It's, it's almost certain that you, will, um, that you will be selected for verification. And so start gathering court documentations or like state papers um, if you're like a, a, a ward of the court or um, if you've been in foster care, um, you know, different things like that, uh, because that is going to count. Um, they're probably going to ask to see that later on. And, you know, if you've been working and you don't use the IRS DRT, 
um, I would recommend ordering tax transcripts as well. I'm going to try and find the uh, URL to both the website where if you have a mortgage or credit card, so a parent could use this one, you can do it online. If you're a student and you don't have a mortgage or a credit card, which I know I did not in high school, um, you're going to have to send in a paper form and that takes forever. Uh, one might even say five ever. So I would highly recommend that you actually, um, send that in pretty much right after or have uh, your counselor fax it in right after, um, you do your FAFSA because it's going to take a little while to get back to you and you probably will need it for verification. Um, so start gathering those papers now. So once you finish the dependency status, uh, section, if you are registered as a dependent student, um, you're going to get swooshed or swooped into the parent demographic section. So that's going to be the names of, you're going to have to choose parent one and parent two, um, just for organizational purposes. I always say put the parent with the FSAID as parent one, because they're the parent one is working on the FAFSA with you. I don't know. I just, it's easier for me to remember it. If it's easier for remember it, if it's easier for you to remember, it's a different way. Do that. Um, it's going to ask for names, <clears throat> birthdays, uh, you know, different things like that. If your parents are divorced or separated, it's going to ask for the month and year. Um, I think if they're married, it asks for that too. Um, it's just going to ask a lot of things about them. That's why I always suggest that parents and students do the FAFSA together because then they can answer all those questions together. And it's a little bit easier. Um, then it's going to ask for financial information for both the parent first and then the student. My biggest recommendation is to use the IRS data retrieval tool or the IRS DRT. Um, the verification thing I talked about earlier, uh, the IRS DRT can make that process so much easier. Um, if you use it, it's pulling that tax information directly from the IRS. Um, the IRS is like entering it electronically for you. And so, um, there isn't a chance for like you entered a number and wrong accidentally, right? Because the IRS is directly importing it in. And so you can kind of on those verification sheets circle, I use the IRS DRT and you don't necessarily have to have the tax transcripts, which is so nice because it can be such a hassle to get them to send those to you. So I recommend using the IRS DRT. It also honestly shaves like 15 to 20 minutes off the FAFSA just on its own. Um, there are going to be a couple sections that you still need those tax returns to make sure that you're getting everything um, entered in right because it'll ask about some other stuff. It won't know about like child support and things like that. So it's important to have those documents as well. Um, it's probably going to ask you about how much you currently have in your savings, if you have any investments, um, something about farms. And uh, there's a couple other random questions that you'll need to have your financial documents with you to answer. Um, if you have those uh, types of things, um, the student section is going to look pretty much the same as the parent section. And I even recommend using the IRS DRT for your student, even if they didn't do taxes, because then it's like it's proven, right? Like they didn't submit taxes. So there you go. After you finish those financial sections, it's going to take you to the section to sign and submit. So to sign, the student basically just has to click sign and follow the directions. For the parent to sign, they must enter their FSA ID. 
and then follow directions. So you have to have your FSA ID and password available to sign. You still have to click submit after you both sign it. Still, hit submit. Please don't forget to hit submit after you both have signed it because I've had people who've had their FAFSA kind of sitting on hold because they didn't realize they had to hit submit. So don't miss that step. It's crucial. Oh, man. You've hit submit and breathe. You did it. You're not done, but you do get a break. Have a mini celebration. Have a 30-second dance party. Go eat some ice cream. Take a nap. Whatever works for you, but celebrate the fact that you have gotten your FAFSA done. Ooh. Okay. I'm almost done. Thank you for bearing with me. I know that wasn't the most exciting episode ever, um, but I did just want to plug in for folks uh, who are worried about verification or have students with extra hurdles. So maybe that's uh, students who've experienced foster care, homelessness, uh, are a ward of the court, or even refugee students. Please feel free to email me at podcastcollegetalk at gmail.com or send me a DM on Instagram um, at podcast college talk. And I will be sure to answer those questions to the best of my ability. I am not an expert, um, but hopefully I can get in contact with uh, folks who are, or at least help you get the information that you need. Um, I have worked with most of those student, sorry, I've served most of those student populations during my time with advise Michigan and AmeriCorps. Um, and so I can talk to you a little bit about what I did. Um, not claiming to be a FAFSA expert, but uh, I will do my best to help you in any way I know how. Uh, thank you all so, so, so much for joining me tonight. Remember, uh, there's that Google folder. The link to that is in the description, as well as the links to uh, signing up for an FSA ID, uh, starting to work on the FAFSA, and we're going to try and get those IRS links in there too. Um, I have loved chatting with you here, and I'll... Uh, have a great time chatting with you again in a couple weeks on Get ready. college time.